o'clock. Thanks for joining us, Jim and the Buckeye Boy. On a Wine About a Wednesday brought to you by Talon Wine. Whatever you're serving, they have the perfect wine to pair with that. Whether it's coming off the grill or out of the oven. You could win a bottle of Talon Wine today. Okay, I got... Uh, uh, okay, my, my complaints, they've been dog-centric. Uh-huh. What about the, the barking neighbor dogs again? Our boy Guinness. I love my dog Guinness. He's my boy. Uh huh. But there are days that I maybe love him a little bit less than other days. And, and Kenda would say the same thing about him. Yep. So Guinness is uh, over a year now. He's what? Year and probably four or five months? I believe that's how old he yeah, is now. Yeah, like that. So he's the point where he's he's still puppy-ish, mm-hmm. but he's not a puppy. And the other day we, we we were trying to like we have to go somewhere. My wife has work-related meetings, something she has to go to. I'm here doing doing my thing here at work, where she tries to leave Guinness out. So he has some autonomy. He's got little dog door that he can go out in the dog run yeah, and do his freedom. business. He's got some freedom. And so we tried to, you know, not put him in his crate. Anytime that we leave, think of it's going to be for, you know, a couple of hours, you know, don't like to, don't like to leave him in there. And so Ken had some place to go. And so she left him out. Comes home. Three of her cookbooks that are at the end of the, our island. A little bookshelf at the end of our island in our kitchen. He decided to destroy three of those books. Three of her favorite cookbooks. He absolutely wiped out. And he knew he was in trouble. He can't even read. I know. I mean, that's his frustration. Like these look so delicious, but I can't make them. I can't make any of these things, but I'm I'm gonna maybe if I chew on the pictures, I'll get some sense of the flavor of what they might be. He knew immediately he was in deep caca. Yeah. Because he goes right to his crate, sits in his crate, puts his head down, because he's done this to me when he's destroyed things when I've come home, mm-hmm. where he just puts his head down like, I know I screwed up. Like, yep. I know I did a terrible, terrible thing. But man, it was fun while I was doing it. Yeah. And so it's tough because there's... And you can't stay mad at him forever because we try to... You know, don't, I'm not I'm not playing tug-of-war with you right now. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not doing anything with you right now. I'm mad at you. And eventually he gives you that look. Like, come on. Who's your buddy? Who's your pal? He worms his way back into our hearts. Yep. Like, I know. I know you love me. You know you love come me. Come on. Come on. You're not going to hold this mm-hmm. against me forever, are you? Come on, I'm a dog. Come on. Look at me. I'm soft. Come on, old buddy, old I'm pal. Furry. Look at these eyes. Yep. These are eyes that are full of love for you. I hate it when he plays us like that. He does. He just play, He can't stay mad at him forever. Yeah. He knows. And he knows what he's doing. Yep. He he does the little, I'm going to get in the crate and put my head in. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Jeez, I'm really, really sorry. Mm. And then a couple of hours later, he's out of the dog crate since he doesn't have a dog house. Yeah. And then out of the dog house. And then out of the, yeah, metaphorical dog house. Proverbial. Yeah. And he's back to sitting on the sofa with us when we're watching TV. So I, I, I have a gripe about my manipulative dog. He's very manipulative. He he plays us constantly. Mm-hmm. More than any dog I think I've ever had. It's, a, that, it's at least a positive he can't talk and go, well, mom said it was okay. Mom said I could destroy yeah. those cookbooks. Or, she doesn't using those anymore. Yeah. Sorry I did that, mom, but dad said I could. <laughs> he said, go ahead, find something to eat. And I ate it. Yeah, and it just happened to be a cookbook. Right. But I was really hungry, so I ate three of them. Yeah, so that's my, that's my gripe today is about my dog, who I love my dog. Ken and I both love Guinness. Yeah. He can be a really, really good boy. And then he can be an absolute awful pain in the butt. Pain in the butt. All right. Speaking of pain in the butt, for the Broncos, it's finding another coach. And the coaching search right now holds static mm-hmm. at they've interviewed Jim Harbaugh, the Michigan coach, did that virtually on yep. Monday. 
Ajiro Avero, Broncos current defensive coordinator, did that in person yesterday. Yesterday afternoon, they met with him over at Broncos facilities. Dan Quinn, still on the schedule, current Dallas defensive coordinator, former Atlanta Falcons head coach. Raheem Morris, the defensive coordinator of the LA Rams, former Tampa Bay Bucks head coach. They also plan on interviewing Sean Payton at some point after the 17th. If people are going, well, why, why have to wait? Payton's not working right now. He's working for Fox, but he's not not working for the Saints. Well, he's under contract for the Saints, though. And so by league rule, you have to wait until Super Wild Card Weekend is done mm-hmm. before he can be talked to because he is still technically an employee of the New Orleans Saints. And so that's where things lie right now in terms of the Broncos have talked to and will talk to in the near future. Ninth coach in 15 seasons for the Broncos, including interims. Yeah. But seventh if you take out the interim, so that's a little better. Do you remember who the interim was when Little Hoodie got fired? Uh, Eric Studisville. Good job, Eric Studisville. Of course, Jerry Rossberg this time around. Mm -hmm. So uh, The Athletic has a piece written by Jeff Howe about Sean Payton and about... Peyton and his interest in the Broncos and vice versa. And actually all the teams that could be in the, the running for Sean Payton. So he started out with the Broncos. As he calls them the shiny new object on the block. Because of the ownership group. Because of the money. Because of having certainly Russell Wilson mm-hmm. part of the dynamic there. That it is the job that has a lot of interest four coaching candidates right now. And and how references that Sean Payton should interview the Broncos as much as they interview him. And and some of that comes down to George Payton. The other Payton, spelled differently. Yeah. Baton. How thin is the ice under George Payton right now? If you're Sean Payton, would you want to work for another GM in a year or two? Though Benjamin Albright said that Sean Payton would like that guy to be Ryan Pace, mm-hmm. who he's worked with previously. Pace was the Bears uh, general manager, as Benjamin Albright from A50KOA mentioned, the genius that traded up to get Mitchell Trubisky when they didn't have to, but still did. Yeah, it didn't work out very well. And so Broncos CEO Greg Penn, remember he said that the new coach will answer to him and not to George Payton. And that could be a problem. It could be a power struggle issue moving forward. Mm-hmm. If that is the case, where Sean Payton goes, I don't like the job George is doing. I don't like the way he's putting this roster together. I, I don't like the way we're approaching free agency. And Sean Payton would be a penner hire. George Payton is not. Is not. And they list off here the Arizona Cardinals as a possible place to go that where he could team up with another guy that supposedly he really, really likes Mm -hmm. and longtime Saints assistant GM Jeff Ireland could perhaps go there because Steve Keim is now gone or stepped away from the Cardinals, I should say. The Carolina Panthers in this article, the Colts, he tends to view how does the Panthers and the Colts as real long shots. The Texans... (laughs) Absolutely not. That he has no desire. Peyton has no desire. Who currently enjoys the the warm weather out in California, Manhattan Beach. He's built a house out there. He's golfing when he's not working for Fox Sports. Yeah. He also could just say, you know what? Thanks, thanks for the interview. Appreciate you talking with me. Mm-hmm. Think I'm good where I'm at. Think I'm think I'm going to take another year or two working for Fox, enjoying the good life, and I'll get back to you if I'm interested. Yeah, there's none of these that are like, dang, I got to take that job. And I think, to be honest, the Colts are a long shot, but that's more from the Colts' side than Sean Payton's side. Right. Well, I, I think it's on both sides because I don't think I Payton, do think it's on both sides. I, I just think it's more so. I don't think Jim Mercer would want to do that. Yeah, Panthers would be interested, certainly. I think David Tepper would love to have a guy like Sean Payton. I think the Cardinals would be very interested. I do agree. I think that Jim Irsay with his 
He wants the coach know, to be more indebted to him yeah. than Sean Payton would be. Megalomaniac, controlling mm-hmm. personality that he has. I don't know if he would like a guy like Sean Payton who would be... Have the independence. Yeah, who would demand the autonomy. Look what I've done. Yeah. You need to let me do my thing and stand him away. Don't tell me which quarterback I'm supposed to be playing, a.k.a. Frank Reich, when he told him to bench Matt Ryan for right. Sam Ellinger, that you're not going to do that with Sean Payton. And that's where that relationship could have some real, real problems. Uh, who do we have on the Chick-fil-A breakfast team phone line? Paul talking Broncos coaching opening. Okay. Good morning, Paul. How are you? Hey, good morning, fellas. How are you? We're doing well, Paul. Happy New Year. Yeah, to you too. Feliz Año Nuevo, as my friends from Mexico like to say. Oh, gracias. Okay, so the Broncos have got to make a splash in the head coaching department, and there's only three names that you can look at. Sean Payton, Dan Quinn, Jim Harbaugh. You look at Sean Payton, and you eliminate him pretty quickly. One, because the Broncos have no draft choices to send down to New Orleans. Two, depending on what the Chargers do over the weekend, if they go down to Jackson, and lose, that Charger job becomes vacant. So you look at China, and three, if the Cowboys show up like they did or don't show up like they did uh, last week, he will be the coach of the Cowboys within 15 minutes of that game if the Cowboys lose. So now let's look at Dan Quinn. Defensive guy all the way. Currently defensive guy down in Dallas. He's a defensive coach his entire history. The Broncos need somebody to come in that can mold and mentor and work with the offensive guy, Russell Wilson. Because like it or not, they're stuck with Wilson. We all know that. He's not going anywhere for a few years. But all that leaves you is Jim Harbaugh, offensive mind, record in the NFL, good record in college, and the Broncos got to make a splash. So those are my thoughts. I think it's Jim Harbaugh. I think it's good likelihood it'll be Harbaugh. Uh, all reports are that uh, I think Mike Sando, the athletic reported that if if the Broncos offer Harbaugh the job, he's gone. He's he's coming to Denver. I, I I don't think there's there's any doubt about that. That Harbaugh, particularly with the the, the violations, the NCAA violations heading Michigan's way, that he would probably like to get out of Dodge while he possibly can. Paul, I, I agree with you on the Dallas thing with Sean Payton, a place that he has a connection to. You know. Knows Jerry Jones was on Bill Parcells' staff years and years ago. I mean, he there's a connection there with the Cowboys. It is a team that, like we talked about, with with Sean Payton, it's got to be turnkey. Dallas is pretty much a turnkey situation with Micah Parsons that defense and what they have offensively. And, and so he he's not in a situation where he wants to go to a Houston or an Indianapolis, something that's a rebuild. He's gonna you know, the Rams. That's where the Rams, while local, like the location may make some sense for him, that the thing that's chasing Sean McVay away may be the thing that Sean Payton goes, I think I'll pass on that too. And that's a rebuild. Yeah, I think I think he is going to stay away from that. And But, you know, you look at what Dallas did and laying an egg the other night, their defense looked horrible, and Dan Quinn's their D.C. Yeah. You really want to bring a DC like that to Denver? Yeah, he's got a little bit of history. By the way, isn't Dan Quinn the coach that uh, was up in the Super Bowl and then got whacked? That that would that would be true. Also, you can possibly blame some of that on Kyle Shanahan as well in, in in that game and some of the play calling in the second half. But yeah, I mean it's Dan Dan Quinn. It's Buck stops here. He was the head coach of the Falcons, yeah. and and that's you know Paul part of the resume. Hey, anything else, Paul? Just uh, stay warm today. Stay frosty. All right. That sounds good. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate it. Take care. You know, if you're going to talk these three candidates, there are a lot of different tentacles that you use for process of elimination. It's going to be hard to get Sean Payton. That one. And also, if you want to keep Ajiro Averro as your defensive coordinator, Sean Payton's not going to do that. Is Dan Quinn going to do that? Because Dan Quinn's a defensive-minded guy. Is he going to keep somebody that I think he's never worked with before, or is he going to bring in his own defensive coordinator? Jim Harbaugh can step into the head coach's job and look at Adiro Averro and go, Doing a great you job. You got it. You got this. It's all you. And I'm going to go over here. We're going to run the ball, and we're going to play defense, and Russ is going to love me. Sarcastic. I think with that situation, that's also where it makes the most sense. 
if you're the Broncos and you're Greg Penner and George Payton and you want to keep Ajero Aviro because you feel he's done a good job with the defense, the only one of those three that's going to keep him is Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, this, and that's, that's not even right. And, and look, in, in the case of Jim Harbaugh, I'll use a television metaphor here. If Harbaugh comes in, this is like a limited series. You know, when they bring back, mm-hmm. say, when X Files came back, and they did a limited season run. Hey, we're just going to do this. This short, we're getting Mulder and Scully back together. It's a short run. They're not going to come back for ten years. Which, guess what? That's how the NFL really is. Mm-hmm. Coaches tend to have a shelf life about five years, and they You're start hired lo- to get fired. They start to lose the team. Start to message starts to not be heard by players that are carryovers. And at some point, like what happened in San Francisco, things start to go bad. Your quarterback's no longer on his rookie deal. Money exactly. starts to add up. And so, if you if you want Harbaugh, you have to totally understand. This is going to be like the short season return of X Files, mm-hmm. as opposed to the TV series Mash that was on for a ever, gazillion ever, years. Ever, yeah, this is not a long term, and most of these relationships are never long term. And so, but this one to, is a presidential term. This one is four years, and it's got to be an a, option for a fifth, and it's got to be a very productive four years. Yeah. You got to get a lot done, which means winning a Super Bowl or at least getting there for this to be deemed anywhere close to being successful. And I think just getting there is not going to be good enough. Probably not. For the fan base, it's not going to be good enough. And Jim Harbaugh has shown everywhere he's been, he cannot get the job done. He can get to the finish line. He just can't cross Or get close, at least with Michigan. Mm -hmm. Got to the semis twice. Got to the semis back-to-back years. Got punked last year. And lost to a team that then got punked real bad this year lost to his own brother in the super bowl you can i do think the power outage played a role in that i think the niners could have win that could have won that game but still didn't get it done never got back stanford never really reached the heights that looking back on it you think he had well he's a great coach at stanford well he was a really good coach at stanford yeah and good coach at San Diego mm-hmm. prior to that. He's a really good coach. He just has never gotten you across the finish line. Now, the only, the drawback to Jim Harbaugh is that, and you're going to have to do this again before 2030, in all likelihood. Probably. And, and you got to be okay with that, because that's this is a relationship that's not going to mm-hmm. last 10 years, or, and, or probably 8 years. And how much... How's Greg Penner at all? How is their stomach for the fan base going to be, you know, in angst again when they hire Jim Harbaugh and they don't get their parade within nine months? Right. How is his stomach for that going to be? And then two years, three years, four years, Jim Harbaugh's back to college. with, With any of these guys, though. There's no guarantee that parade's going to happen. You got to hope. You, you gotta, might want to tone that down. You, you got to hope. You got to live in, right? I'm sorry. You got to hope. Yeah, I do. <laughs> Born and raised here. None of these guys promise. That type of rhetoric doesn't None fly of these guys promise here. you that. None of them do. Not Sean Payton, not Dan Quinn, not the, Harbaugh. The highest them. promise is the guy that's got the job done. All you have to do, all you can do is hire the guy you feel like brings in the organizational skills mm-hmm. and can bring the people in that can make this team a contender again. And this is where Greg Penner has to avoid being like Jimmy Haslam. Do not listen to the fan base. Do what you feel is the right yes. thing to do. The guy you feel is the best fit for the job. And if they lose their mind that it's Dan Quinn mm-hmm. or it's Raheem Moore, and why didn't we get Harbaugh? Why didn't we get Peyton? And then there are people that are going to be that right now. Talked some Broncos fans the other day. Sean Payton's guy, right? It's going to be Sean Payton. I'm like, I don't think Sean Payton's the right choice. No, I don't I, think I, he is. He might be the best of the available options, 
But he's not an available option right now because he's not available. You have to give up something to get him and more than just money. Two to tango. He's got to be interested. Just because he's interviewing mm-hmm. doesn't mean that he has this burning desire to coach right. in Denver. It's I'm kicking the tires. They reached out to the Saints. I'm going to extend the courtesy. We'll see where this goes. Mm-hmm. Because he'd be stupid not to talk to the Broncos. I saw a piece from Florio, and I'll admit that I'm If he's interested in getting back, he'd be stupid to yeah. not talk to them. And he's got a trump card for the Saints, where if the Saints say, no, you can't interview with other teams. You're still an employee with us. And he can walk in the door the next day and be like, all right. I'm back. I'm back. 8 a.m., let's get to work. Or what, what, what are we doing here? Let's right. go. It's like, all right, make sure my key card's active. Yeah. I'm coming in tomorrow. And he could play that card if he yeah. wanted to. You know, one final thing about Dan Quinn in the Super Bowl. Yeah, he's to blame, but so is Kyle Shanahan, and so is the... Remember the drive they had? I just quickly looked this up. They were up 28-20. Mm-hmm. They got the ball to the Patriots 22. Remember the phenomenal Julio Jones catch along the sideline? Yeah, and then they had some and then ridiculous play call, like a bubble screen or something. Devin McCourty stops Freeman for a, for a one-yard loss. Trey Flowers sacks Ryan for a 12-yard loss. Ryan hits Muhammad Sanu for a nine-yard gain, but then they get called for a... Jake Matthews gets called for a holding penalty. And so then it turns into third and 33. Mm-hmm. And that's why he can't hit Taylor Gabriel. And then they have to punt the ball with their 338 left to go in the game. They kick the field goal. They don't yeah. They don't screw that up. They kick the field goal. There's no overtime. There's no... You know, Patriots come back and make it, you know, make it a game of the fourth, but the Falcons win their first ever Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. If that series of events goes differently. Well, so they scored to make it 28-3. Patriots go down and score. Then they end up with a fourth and 20, up 28-9. to Patriots go down and score. Strip sack, Patriots go down and score. Then the drive you're talking about, Patriots go down and score again. Yeah, and then they can't get anything going on that last drive. They got barely out of their own red zone. But you get you got to their twenty-two. You were right there. You kick a field goal, you win the football game. Mm-hmm. Got Kyle Shanahan deserves some of that that blame as well. That was that bubble screen, wasn't? No, yeah. it was a run. But there's was a, a bubble run. screen early. Yeah, where I remember like, they? What are you doing? Why are you doing that? Run the ball. Yeah. All right, 823. We'll take a break. We'll come back with uh, Cody Rourke on the other side, Mile High Sports Radio. We'll talk Broncos coaching search with him on the Jim Davis Show. Craptastic. That's just crap. The team presents the Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Talking Broncos with Mile High Sports, Cody Rourke on the Jim Davis Show. With us on the Chick Fil A Breakfast Team phone line, Cody Rourke. Good morning. Good uh, good morning, Cody. How are you doing? I'm out of the gates, kind of like uh, the way the Broncos started the season. Hopefully, I can finish the way they finished the season. But uh, good out yeah, you on, man. So uh, we good had your, morning, gentlemen. Good morning to you. Uh, we had Benjamin Albright, uh, your uh, fellow Broncos insider from 850 KOA on uh, Monday, and he says Dan Quinn should be the guy. Do you think it should be Dan yeah. Quinn? Yeah, I know I know he likes Dan Quinn a lot. Now, here's my stance on it. I'm going to take an entirely different stance on the coaching search than anybody is. I don't know who the right guy is, but I, I'm excited to see who they hire because I think who they hire ultimately will be the right guy. I think so many people have already put all their chips in on this coach, this coach, or this coach. I mean, Denver hasn't even interviewed anybody else yet. They, you know, it's, you got Jim Harbaugh, you got Joe Ever, you got Jim Caldwell today that Denver is interviewing. Outside of that, uh, bulk of the other guys that they would like to interview are going to be after you know sometime next week. So, for me, uh, I don't know who to. I, I don't want to commit to anybody because I think that they're all very qualified candidates. I think that's the one thing that stands out is you look at each and every one of these coaches. They have a lot of experience. A majority of them have head coaching experience, minus a few. But in my opinion, I think that the Walton Penner family ownership group is going to take their time. They're not going to rush. They're obviously not in a rush to hire a coach. They want to figure out who the right guy is for the job because for them, you want to hire this guy and you want this guy to be the guy for the next five to ten years, in my opinion. So um, I think it's something that uh, they have to take the process on. I know I know Albright loves Dan Quinn. 
Um, but we'll see what happens for sure. Well, Jim Caldwell, who coached the Colts, uh, was also in Detroit, which I don't think they should have fired him uh, and replaced him with Matt Patricia because the Colts, or excuse me, the Lions, excuse me, at that time when Caldwell was there, was heading. Uh, they were heading in the right direction, and now it looks like Dan Campbell's got the, the Lions uh, certainly back on track and will be uh, a team that uh, could very well contend for the NFC North title next year. But what are the pluses and minuses about a Jim Caldwell, the name that we really haven't talked about a whole lot with the Sean Paytons and the Jim Harbaugh's and the Dan Quinns? Yeah, you know, Jim Caldwell is a coach who, I mean, has done such a fantastic job through his career. Has had, I mean, has the utmost respect of some of the key guys, and you know who I imagine will probably have a little bit of like influence and say on this is Peyton Manning. I think Peyton Manning said, hey, Jim Caldwell is a great coach. And I know he interviewed for the job several years ago. I was told the like when they hired Vance Joseph that they, they interviewed Jim Caldwell, and they really, really, really liked Caldwell, but they went with Vance Joseph. So maybe this is an opportunity to get that right in the eyes of uh, the Broncos, but um, – you know, for Caldwell, I mean, look what he's able to do. You know, some people are going to say, oh, well, he had Peyton Manning as his quarterback. He also led, a, as you mentioned, a Detroit Lions team, and Matthew Stafford was following. And they had, I mean, I, I thought Jim Caldwell was doing a lot to try to turn things around in Detroit. Because when you look at it, Chicago was tough. I mean, you look at Green Bay, of course. I mean, Green Bay was the leader of the pack there with Aaron Rodgers. They, I mean, Caldwell, in my opinion, has done a fantastic job in his career. I think he'd be a good head coaching candidate. And it's not like he's going to be a guy that's going to come in and be an offensive play caller. I think he's a great disciplined leader that I think the Broncos will really benefit from. And, of course, you know, if you go on Twitter, you'll see a lot of people say, oh, this is just the Rooney rule. To my understanding, people I talk to, the Broncos really viewed Jim Caldwell as a very qualified candidate. And I know, like, it's the unfortunate nature, you know, that the NFL's put this process in place that it kind of makes it seem like, well, if you interview a minority candidate, you're just doing it to check off a box, which, as we know in times, that has been the case for NFL organizations. So that makes the Rooney Rule kind of interesting when you look at it in hindsight. Uh, but Jim Caldwell is a very qualified head coaching candidate and could be a, one of the best guys for the job. And we'll have to see how the interview goes here today. Yeah, Lions went 9-7 and seven and 9-7 and seven in 2016-2017, his, his two years there. Uh, his actually he was there for four years, but they went they put together nine and seven seasons. They went eleven and five in his first year, and they lost to Dallas in the wild card game. I mean he he only had one sub five hundred season in Detroit. That was the next year at seven and nine, but went you know fourteen and two with the Colts as their head coach, ten and six. Then had the disastrous two and fourteen season when when Peyton Manning uh, was out the entire season. I mean you look at the track record. For Jim Caldwell, it's not bad at all. Been to the playoffs four times, uh, lost to New Orleans in the Super Bowl in in twenty nine two thousand nine. So there's been successor for Jim Caldwell. He also hasn't coached in a couple of years. Last time, uh, Cody, he was coaching with the the Dolphins in twenty nineteen. He's sixty seven years old, which that could be a factor in this as well. I guess those are a couple of the negatives when it comes to Jim Caldwell. But just on his resume. It's been a pretty successful run for Jim Caldwell. Yeah, he's very, as we said, very, very qualified. And to be honest with you, I would not be shocked, Jim, if he becomes the top candidate that the Broncos have interviewed after he concludes his interview here today. Um, you know, obviously they, they interviewed Jim Harbaugh virtually on Monday. They interviewed Ajiro Evro yesterday in person, and they got Jim Caldwell here today. I would not be shocked if he suddenly emerges as the top guy for the job. But I don't think you're going to hear anything in the media. I don't think you're going to hear a lot of talk from him that he suddenly emerged. I think that internally this will be something where they're like, all right, hey, he's our top guy. Let's interview these other guys and see if that changes. Um, I think Jim Caldwell actually has a great chance here. Mile High Sports Radio's Cody Rourke with us. Catch him weekday afternoons on Mile High Sports Radio. Joins us today on the Team Sports Network. Of the candidates that are out there, now including Jim Caldwell, uh, that we know about, is there anybody you go, no way, no how? That guy has zero chance of being the next Broncos head coach. Oh, that's, you know, that's a tough question, Jim, because I honestly look at it and I don't see that. I, I think the only one, in my opinion, is Sean Payton. I really don't believe Sean Payton is coming to Denver, especially with the L.A. job looking like it's about to open up. 
Um, you know, with how the Cowboys just performed this past week, and if they lose in the playoffs, I see Jerry Jones firing Mike McCarthy, and I see Sean Payton potentially going to Dallas. So I don't think Denver, I think Sean Payton is the one guy I'm saying, no, it's not happening. We've heard rumblings that, you know, that Sean McVay is thinking about walking away from the Rams, and that the Rams would not stop him from going to another team. Would Sean McVay now be maybe somebody the Broncos might take an interest in if he does become available? Um, I mean, I think there would be interest, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think for him and, and obviously people close to Sean McVay, and I, you know, one of the guys I really trust in the subject is Jay Glazier. And McVay, I think, you know, for him, he won the Super Bowl. You know, he's been coaching forever. You know, he's one of the youngest guys. He's been coaching for quite a long time. Um, you know, he just had a baby, you know, he just got married. He's no longer chasing Instagram models the way that he and Cliff Kingsbury used to be doing all the time. Um, and he's just, I think the, the word is that he's burnt out with football and wants to be around family more now that he has a family. Um, and he's been through a lot, like this offseason. You know, I think his wife's family was impacted by everything that was happening in Ukraine. Um, I, I think for Sean McVay, he's going to go into TV and allows him to, to manage his schedule a little bit. Um, I think he'll be able to, you know, obviously go cover a game on Sunday, but he gets to come home after that, which is, you know, the luxury that you don't really get when you're actually the head coach of a team. Um, I think McVay's done, um, and I don't think he's going to get back into coaching. I think he's going to stay in TV, and he's going to make a lot of money doing it. Cody Rourke, My Life Sports Radio with us today on the team. Two more questions for you. Uh, Dominic Foxworth on uh, ESPN today. They were talking about, the team that finished last, who has the best chance in, in, you know, in AFC, NFC, of teams that finished last in their division to turn it around and maybe win the division in 2023? Dominic Foxworth, former Bronco, mentioned he thinks the Broncos have the best chance. Do you think they have the best chance of going from worst to first in their division? I'm trying to think of all the teams, either Chicago, there's Houston, uh, there's the Commanders, there's, there's the, the Jets, the Browns. Yeah. Um, yeah, in my opinion, I think Denver probably does like have the best chance out of all those other teams that you know could go from worst to first. I think Denver is going to be significantly better, Jim, and I think that you know from my understanding and what we saw with the offense, I you know I was told Ben Steele did a fantastic job this year and that really you know butch berry when he was hired he was the sole voice in that room but it's like butch berry the reason he was fired is because he didn't really coach guys um but i've also been told there could be a little bit of a chance that denver looks to bring mike munchak back so keep an eye on that as something for them um outside of that i do think that they could go from worst to first uh, it's going to be tough right because you look at the AFC west i mean i think when you look at all those other divisions you can make an argument it's one of the toughest divisions in football for sure. Um, but how we saw the Broncos play the last two weeks when they simplified the offense, and that was the thing, they simplified it. They didn't do anything different. They just simplified the offense. It's amazing how they looked. So I think that Denver does have a great chance. And you know what, like Russell Wilson said postgame, he said, you know, it's, when we turn this thing around, it's going to be amazing. And you know what, I have belief that he might be right. So you feel like there is a shot for Ben Steele to somehow – stay on this staff moving forward? I think there's a possibility. You know, like I said, it, it, everything is going to be contingent upon who the head coach is that is hired. Um, and ultimately, if there's anybody that they want to bring in, you know, on their own staff. But, you know, there's going to be some coaches that are going to have a chance to stay. Um, I think Christian Parker is a name to keep an eye on for the Broncos. He's done a fantastic job in the secondary this year with them. Ben Steele, um, you know, like I said, you know, Chris Cooper is now the guy in Minnesota. So if Mike Munchak does come back, maybe Ben Steele is the right guy to to work with with him. So we'll see. And I, you know, obviously, I think Ben's done a fantastic job. I talked to players and they said they really like Ben this year. So, uh, Bush Perry, not so much. Okay, <laughs> okay. What what final one for you? We have Super Wild Card Weekend coming up right here on the team. The Wild Card team you think has the best chance of going to the Super Bowl? is a tough one. This is a really tough one, right? Uh, you know, I was going to say initially the Chargers um, before I saw last week. I 
the Chargers are talented. I just I have no idea why Brandon Staley was playing the starters. Obviously, Mike Williams' status is in question. We have no idea what it's going to be uh, for them. It's a short term because they play on Saturday. In my opinion, I think, I think the Bengals are probably going to be my best pick. The Bengals or the Bills are going to be the wild like teams in this wild card round that we have that I think are going to be the top two teams. I don't think Miami's going to have enough juice in the tank to do it. I don't think Tampa Bay's going to do it. I don't think Dallas is going to be, you know, be a team that's going to go that far either. Um, I'd say Cincinnati and Buffalo are the two teams in the AFC that I feel like can make a run. Um, and that, that's going to be my pick. And then the NFC, I mean, gosh, I don't even know about this. I'm bummed out that the, the Lions didn't make it in. I know, me too. Um, I want to see the Seahawks get smacked. And so I'm going to go with San Francisco. I think San Francisco right now is going to be playing a wild card weekend. I think San Francisco on the NFC side is probably the one team I feel like is actually legit. I think there's you can poke holes in a lot of the other teams in the NFC right now. So I'm going to go San Francisco, and then it's either going to be the Bengals or the, uh, the Bills. All right, very good. Cody, appreciate it, man. We'll, we'll grab you next Wednesday. Make sure you check out his work, MileHighSports.com. Listen to him on air weekdays in the afternoon at Mile High Sports Radio. Appreciate it, Cody. Thanks, man. Appreciate you guys. Go Tigers. All right. Cody Rourke, Mile High Sports Radio, joins us every Wednesday on the program. All right, 838, Jim along with the Buckeye Boy. Text call is 970-242-1340. Let's quickly hop into... We're into four-down territory on the Jim Davis Show on the team. All right, start things out with first down. Jim Harbaugh interviewed with the Broncos virtually on Tuesday. According to ESPN's Jeremy Fowler, though, the Broncos still view Sean Payton as their number one choice. And if Payton doesn't want it, then Harbaugh would become the number one choice. So we're hearing from Cody York, Jim Caldwell. Good interview today. Could could be the guy that maybe gets some attention as well for that job. And that's that's not a bad hire either. I'm always I always like Jim Caldwell. Seems I like think a it was good a mistake guy. to fire him. In Detroit, they should not have done that. Let's see. A fan who attended Tuesday night's Kentucky-South Carolina game ended up leaving after his sign caused a disturbance. Wildcats lost at Rupp Arena to the Gamecocks, who ended the game with a sub-500 record. One fan attending the game brought a sign that said, Please go to Texas. The sign is a reference to rumors that Texas has interest in Calipari. Their head coaching job, the Longhorns, are looking for new head coach after they fired Chris Beard after he assaulted his wife, allegedly. So the, the sign makes it clear that he's ready for Calipari to leave, that, that Kentucky fan. And so the sand, the, the, the sign was disrespectful to Calipari. The message, though, wasn't really the reason why the fan left. The Lexington Herald leader reports the fan sitting behind the fan in question complained about having their view blocked by the sign. And so it wasn't what the sign said as much as the sign wasn't sign the everywhere there's signs. It's the sign was blocking a fan's view. Yeah. Tesla on it again. Just saying. Okay. Uh, sign signs everywhere. There's uh, out of the athletics top twenty-five transfer portal players. Two are coming to see you, Hunter and the tight end kid Traore. That this sounds is right. Yes, great. This is good. This is. I thought it'd be more. Um, it's been a pretty decent haul. Maybe a little bit more. But it's not been bitterly disappointing. I think considering where CU's been, and look, the competition for the transfer portal's tough, that I think it's been okay. I mean, it's nice that I I thought it might be a it's little good. better, but it's not disappointing. No, right. not, not any stretch of the imagination. I'm I'm pretty satisfied with what Coach Prime has been able to yeah. do through the transfer portal. Considering Travis Hunter is tied for the top spot. Yeah, you're getting, you may be not getting... Mm-hmm. You're getting quality, if you know, not quantity, but you're certainly getting quality. Here. I think it's closer to great in the good territory than it is. I thought it'd be more. Okay, fourth yeah. down. I'm I'm very pleased. Yeah, Carlos Correa has finally signed with someone, and <laughs> by God, has passed his physical with the Minnesota Twins. So, back where he started. Back where he started. Carlos Correa won free agency, lost free agency, or let's give it a couple years. Eh, let's give it a couple of years. I think he lost for you. He probably did, too. I mean, he he signed now almost 
a billion dollars worth of contracts, and he's only going to get to play on one of them. He didn't sign them, but he agreed. I guess North give it a three, couple years in terms of whether he, well, yeah, he, I mean, he lost out here, but yeah. I'm talking about the teams that did not sign him. Mm-hmm. San Francisco, the Mets. Do they losing out here? I think you have to wait on. That's where I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, for them, for him, yeah, he absolutely lost. For out. Carlos Gray, he lost. There's to no find doubt. Out he's got a janky ankle, and he absolutely lost yeah. out. Those other teams, yeah, they might have dodged a bullet. I think the Mets might be the best off out of the three of them. <laughs> Maybe so. All right. Avs voice Connor McGay. He joins us next on the Jim Davis Show. It's a good show. By the best show around. The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Talking avalanche hockey with the voice of the Avs, Connor McGahee, on the team. With us on the Chick-fil-A Breakfast Team phone line, the radio voice of the avalanche, <coughs> Connor McGahee. Connor, good morning. How are you? And a good morning to you. I'm fine, Jimmy. How do you do today? I, I do quite well today. Thank you for inquiring about my well-being. I appreciate that. Uh, wish Lovely the, stuff. <laughs> I wish the... Uh, well, being the Avalanche is a little better. I mean, there were, there were positives last night. They rallied from two, three goal deficits, but they put themselves in two, three goal deficits. Got a, had a couple calls that did not uh, go their way last night. They end up losing to Florida at home five to four last night. Uh, another disappointing loss for the Avalanche. Like I said, a game where they didn't play great at times, but also the breaks, the calls did not go their way as well. Yeah, and uh, as the stranger once said, Sometimes you eat the bar, sometimes the bar eats you. And uh, the bar's been eating, <laughs> yeah, a little bit... Uh, Way too much. More, Yeah, more more often than I'd like, to be honest. But the uh, it is a pendulum, and it will swing the other way. And we're just not used to these type of funks over the past couple seasons. I mean, we have to remember that we watched a team win the President's Trophy and then the Stanley Cup in consecutive years. And in both of those years, they didn't really go through what most teams go through, and that's streaks where you do lose five out of six games. Now, it, as Mark Rycroft said with me last night, it's not a slippery slope yet. Um, I mean, when you're ninth in the Western Conference from points percentage right now, uh, you try and get, uh, obviously, into the top eight, and uh, that can turn around at any time. But uh, you can't really go along like this for for a lot longer, I mean, the halfway point of the season is Saturday at home versus the Ottawa Senators. That'll be game number 41. And always remember that while rare, I mean, runs are made in the second half of the season. 2019 Stanley Cup champion St. Louis Blues were dead last in the National Hockey League. Went on to not only make the playoffs, but win the Stanley Cup. So um, it's just a, a little bit of a funk and not the... Not the the average white band kind. It's the uh, it's the kind that uh, happens in sports. But uh, knowing the type of talent and character that's in that locker room, they'll get out of it. Well, hopefully they'll start to rock it like Herbie Hancock. Nice. Work. Yeah, okay, just... Nicely done. <laughs> I like it. You're the you only know, guy who can just, play this I game. I just try with... and be a chameleon and blend in wherever <laughs> I'm at. You know? Well, certainly for the Avalanche, that um, you know, the, the frustration we've seen Georgiev. You know, slam his stick on the ice in recent games with the way, you know, at times the Avalanche have played defensively in front of him. We saw that happen last you know, last night again with Kale McCarr, Devon Taves. I mean, two, you know, probably the two best, you know, defensemen in terms of a, a pairing in the National Hockey League. It's been a rough stretch with the way the, the Avs have played defense, most notably those two guys. And of course, a, a guy that's already made himself a legend in Kale McCarr. Yeah, and they were so good defensively before the Christmas break. Won four in a row, just allowed four goals total in that span. And then the break happened, and they sort of lost their way in that regard. Um, and they started to get better um, in, in the uh, the latter stages. I mean, basically aside from that three and a half minutes in Vancouver, and then really in the entire Edmonton game. I mean, five on five in the, in the, the game versus the Oilers. Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid had one shot attempt total between the two of them. And that's pretty stout defense, uh, considering who you're talking about there. Um, that was an outstanding effort Saturday in Alberta. And then last night, those sort of pillars and principles went away for whatever reason. Now, it always depends on what team you're, you're playing. I mean, Florida, if we're being honest, is kind of a mess right now. They're, they're all over the place in that first period. 
didn't really have any structure to it. Um, the Avs had their chances and didn't really have the bounces, and the bounces went the way of the Panthers against the grain. Um, but it didn't really set up to start last night with the Avalanche having an opportunity to, to, to really lock it down and get in their rhythm. And when that's the case inside of a hockey game, when it's not going your way, you have to make it go your way. And Colorado has to find a way to do that. Well, I think if you look ahead at the schedule, that with the Blackhawks tomorrow, you'll be in Chicago for that one, and and then at home against Ottawa on Saturday, Monday at home against Detroit. You have Ottawa and and Detroit. You know, two of the you know two of the the lesser teams over in the Eastern Conference right now, and in the Atlantic Division near the the bottom of that division. That you certainly have a chance here. And Blackhawks are dead last in the Central. You'd like to think, Connor, a chance to get a little fatter, a little happier with some of the teams they have coming up. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And uh, it, it's one of those where, I mean, it is it is the NHL. And every coach would tell you that, you know, every team is an NHL It's not college basketball where, you know, you could have uh, Wake Forest versus uh, who knows somebody from, from Nowheresville, Michigan playing. And... And that's going to be a blowout. That's, that's just usually not how it works in the National Hockey League. That being said, when you're playing three teams that are either out of the playoffs or teetering on making it in, those are three games that you have to win with two of them being at home. Uh, I mean, Chicago is, is kind of, speaking of being a mess, they are. Um, Patrick Kane uh, has been out of the lineup. It's a possibility that he could come back tomorrow. For Chicago, we will see. Um, but uh, that is a game that I feel like you have to win versus the Blackhawks. And then you have to win at home versus Ottawa, a team that you've had a lot of success uh, over over the past really decade and, and almost their their entire existence. Um, and then it, it's, it's a rivalry game, as people call it, with Detroit. But, uh, again, a team that has struggled. So these, these are three games that the coaching staff and the team will look at and say, hey, this is our opportunity to dictate to play Avalanche hockey and therefore get some wins. He's the radio voice of the Avalanche, Connor McGahee, joining us today on the Team Sports Network. Uh, just kind of an update on what you've heard about Gabriel Landeskog, Valerie Nachushkin. What does it look like in terms of how close are they to coming back? Jim, I am Sergeant Schultz. I know nothing. <laughs> okay. Nothing. Very good. Thank you. <laughs> I know nothing. Uh, Colonel Hogan, uh, please. <laughs> Who? Okay. Imagine the the writers' room where they they pitched that show to CBS back in the sixties. Yeah. Hey, we're gonna yeah. do a wacky comedy about a prisoner of war camp with Nazis. Yeah. We're gonna make Nazis funny. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, that, there's no way that that show ever gets to the airwaves today. Well, hundred percent. But also, I mean, Warner Klemper, um, who's Daughter, strangely, went to the University of Colorado, I found out. He played Colonel wow. Link. Um, he actually, uh, him, Schultz, both uh, born in Austria, Germany, came over to, to actually serve in the, in the American Armed Forces right. during the war. I mean, Bernard Klemper was in the USO, for crying out loud. Um, I mean, so there's so many ties uh, for the actors who are in that show to... Yeah, and that probably was what helped to give it the green light because they could make light of that. And even um, LeBeau being one of the the few survivors of the concentration camp right. himself. So if he can make light of it, then I think it uh, gets the green light. But uh, that being said, one of my favorite TV shows of all time, Hobie Heroes. I, I, I enjoyed it immensely yeah. in reruns as well. Hey, before we yeah. let you go today, uh, I thought I'd save this part for last because you're a humble guy. Congratulations oh, no. on being... The co should should be just you alone. No offense to Romy Bean, but it should be just you. Uh, Colorado Broadcaster of the Year. Well done. Well deserved. Congratulations, my friend. Thank you very much. It uh, it means a lot, and uh, it it is not lip service. I, I mean it that that everybody I get to interact with and work with on a daily, weekly basis. That includes uh, that includes all y'all over there. Um, that uh, is is super special for me, and I uh, I'm just uh, lucky to be here every single day. And uh, but it, it is a great honor, and I'm uh, 
very humbled and grateful. So thank you. Well, you do a fantastic job. Well, well deserved. And I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled for you. I mean, uh, representing over here, the fight 970s, bringing That's home right. some big time hardware for your mantle in the concave. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it'll probably be, you know, like a, the tiny little brass trophy that you get from the trophy shop for your t-ball team. That's what it's going to be. <laughs> well, you don't have to saw it down the middle and share the other half of it with Romy Bean, do you? I mean, you get to... Uh, no, I think they both say Sportscaster of the Year. I just think they because it was the exact same amount of votes. I think it was the only state where that was the case. Um, I don't know how it works, to be honest. I didn't even know that this was really a thing. So I, I'm... Uh, I'm uh, like I said, just just grateful to be it. But I'm, I'm I think it. They both say uh, sportscaster of the year. On it, there, so. it, no offense to her, it should just be you. But that's okay. Well, that's just okay. I'm I'm, okay. I'm biased. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm very that. very biased. She has been on our show, by the way. So yeah. we should say that Romy Bean has been nice enough, gracious enough to come on our program before. So it's not like we're just sticking with our favorite guy in, in well, Conor McGahey. Well, I'm I'm I'd. It's to my advantage to have you in the corner. So well, thank you. Well, th- well, thank you. And hopefully, uh, I'm going to come over for the affiliate game with St. Louis. Hopefully, get a chance maybe between intermission to to say hello 100%. before the uh, before the game. So hopefully, that'd be a be a nice yeah, opportunity uh, if that works let's, out. Let's make it uh, earlier the better. Is that that one o'clock game? Versus yes, that's a one o'clock game in the afternoon. Okay. Yeah. Hopefully, we'll 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 communicate and maybe find a way to make it work if it works with your schedule. A hundred percent. Let's do it. Cool. Thanks, Connor. Appreciate it. Have a great day. You too, boys. Thank you. All right. There he is, the Conor Sports Caster of the Year. Yeah. Conor McGahee. Broncos PA voice versus Broncos, former Broncos cheerleader in that uh, yeah. co-sportscaster. And they canceled each other out. Yeah, they did. Obviously. Yeah. Looks and pipes, you know. Well, she's what? What, former Broncos cheerleader? Yeah. Romy Bean? Yeah. Who apparently Steve says has... Matumbo like hands. I, we still have we seen a response on that yet? I no, haven't seen a response on why he has said that. All right, uh, we will take a break. We'll come back. CSU voice Brian Roth will join us next. Rams falling to Air Force last night. We'll get into that coming up.